Welcome to the Generation Voids podcast, The Retail Warzone. So let's go ahead and get started here. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this is a very, very special night. We have got Adam Cott with us this evening. Uh, you see underneath his screen there, the book Life on the Grocery Line. Um, all of his social medias, they're listed on the right. In the description of the video, uh, there is a link to purchase his book on Amazon. Before we get started, I read the book. I posted a review on Amazon. It hasn't went live yet, but before we get into this, I want to give everybody an idea of what I think and what I think everybody else should think as well. If you are a current or former retail grocery employee, this book is essential reading. As you progress through the story, you will find yourself feeling as if someone has written your autobiography for you, and in essence, the author has. The reference to interactions between customers and employees in the book will resonate with you on a personal level that you may have never experienced before. The writing is superb and does an excellent job in describing things we have experienced in the business in excellent detail. Adam has not only told a story close to him, but our stories as well. In the future, this should be required reading for all employees in the retail grocery industry as a primer to what you can expect working on the grocery line. Five stars. Everybody go out and buy it. Excellent, excellent book. So having said that, Adam, welcome. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having oh, me. Super excited, super excited. So, um, why don't you go ahead, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and you know what inspired you to write the book, and then we will go on from there. Uh, I was, my name's Adam. I've been working in, I was working in the corporate life, like cubicle life for about uh, 10 years or so, and I decided to quit my, quit my job that wasn't working out very well. And started, and this is late 2019, and I started to write a different novel. And um, I started working at a grocery store in the beginning of 2020. And, uh, like, you know, I, I just did it for fun. It was a good time. And I was going to probably move right back into corporate life now that I had a draft for a novel. And um, then the pandemic hit, and everything changed. And there weren't jobs available or anything, so to deal with my anxieties and the growing problems um, that was going around on the country, I uh, decided to start blogging and the blog did really well. And I've turned a lot of those stories that I've experienced uh, into a novel that's based on my experiences and a few other employees that friends that I have that um, experienced some similar, like, I don't know, awful scenarios with people. Um, I, my first job was actually in a grocery store. So like when I was 15, I worked in um, a grocery store and I've worked in retail kind of on and off throughout my life. And yeah, it's, it was a really crazy year. It was for everyone, for all of us out there that like it, uh, it changed everything for me and made me sit down and write a book. So yeah. And write a book you did and it's excellent. So, yeah. um, so, uh, yeah. uh, one thing, you know, like, like I said, offline, I wanted to talk about was given the fact that you were employed 
did you ever consider writing this under a pseudonym? And if not, why? Um, not really, honestly, like, cause I, I kept, uh, their name out of my mouth, I guess you could say like the place where I work. Um, and I don't know. I felt like I really wanted to be honest about it in, in every way. And it's honestly how I was, I was feeling about, about the customers, the situation, what I observed, um, the pseudonym, I, I guess I like, I doubt like, yeah, maybe I should, but I don't know. I wasn't trying to hide from anything or like, I didn't, if I lost that job, I mean, I don't know what I would have done, but it, yeah, it wasn't really like, didn't really cross my mind. Well, I'm glad because your name should be attached to it. I would hate to have thought that you have done something like this under an alias because you deserve all the props in the world for what you gave everybody with this. So that is excellent. Now, um, there was something that I thought was excellent in the first chapter that kind of described, you know, working in a grocery store, which was, you said, basically it was like mitochondria, um, you know, the people were the powerhouse of the cell and I mean, you know, you're right. A grocery store is a fascinating place because you know, the amount of work that goes into it. Um, and hero asked, were you still working there when the book came out? You were correct. Yeah. I'm, I still work there currently. Nice. So, but the mitochondria part I thought was, was dead on. I mean, it is because, you know, you get your customers coming in like you described and they don't understand, you know, what's going into the day to day for these people just to come in and, you know, treat people like garbage just to get these things that that they think they need that they may not. And the amount of work and sacrifice it actually takes, you know, to keep a grocery store running. It's, it's not like, you know, there's just a bunch of people standing around. And, um, so when you started there, uh, did you start as a cashier or did you start somewhere else? I started as a cashier. Right. Um, go into the, 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 tell us about Dave's and Linda's. Um, so I guess there's like, like I work at a, a higher end. So it's a lot of organic, stuff and everything's kind of overpriced, frankly. I mean, you can get some good deals, but, um, it's, and it's in the most affluent neighborhood in Denver. So you get a certain type of clientele and you could see this like archetype kind of play out like very, you know, I, I would say like a Linda be, you know, work from home mom sort of thing that like, and there's nothing wrong with being a work from home mom, but the, or not work from home mom, but stay at home mom. And, they, you know, they probably have money, things like that. The like are, enjoy a certain level of luxury, and it's a detachment from what a grocery store employee does or who they are. Like you see more like a you know, just a, a inconvenience a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Like you're in my way, um, and it you get kind of stepped on on a regular basis. I had great interactions with people. It wasn't all negative. I mean, definitely not all negative. There's a lot of nice people, but the Linda's and Dave's are kind of my representation of the archetype that I found on a regular basis, working specifically as a cashier. Cause you kind of see people on their exit, you have short interactions um, and you like returns, you know, the, a lot of the complaining that happens goes to cashiers. Now I'm in, I work in the back of the house as a supervisor and I don't see that nearly as much, but um, yeah, Norman's is just a, 
the Normans that I talk about in it are like an older version of Dave. Um, just those grumpy old guys that, but there's still like, it, there's still this air of entitlement that they roll over you with on a regular basis. So yeah, that, that's the best way I could like, I don't know, show those types of people on a regular basis or like show it in the book. And I think it, I think it worked out pretty well. Uh, I think so too. I think the delivery was good. So, so from the time you figured out that you were going to do this to completion, how long did it take you? I mean, to, you know, to, to get the book finished, you know, from start to finish. Yeah. I started blogging about it in April of, uh, well, last year, April 7th, I think is the first. And actually it took me exactly a year to get to a book, which is kind of cool. Um, but, uh, the book I started in October, I think is when I really sat down once I got out of the cashier part and I was in house, I was doing a receiving job in our, um, prepared foods area. And I was able to sit every night and write and write and write and constantly, you know, like putting down whether it's 300 words or 3000, like you just had to sit there every night or every morning and whether you hated it, um, a lot of times I hated it. It's not fun to like just constantly mull over stuff sometimes. And yeah, it, it took about four months for me to get a complete draft out. Now, like I had already a lot of the stories that I include in here, I had already written out for the website, mm-hmm. which is life on the grocery line.com. And um, so I could like kind of transition those in, but I had to find a narrative that made sense. Right. And like, build the the character and all the different aspects to bring it all together. Awesome. So yeah, about four months. Uh, Yeah. Irish connection asks, how did your management respond to associates that were anxious as the pandemic unfolded Uh, supportive or were they dismissive? I I think overall um, our company was pretty supportive. Like they, they gave you PTO on flex time. So like you could just take a day or two off if you need to, if you felt like, you're melt, melting down you know, as a mental health sort of thing. Now, I don't know when you're in an environment like that, like people are bound to abuse it. And it was like, Oh my God, like, why are you taking a week off? But um, of course people are going to take advantage of that. But um, I'd say they were pretty supportive. Yeah. That's something I'm still struggling, struggling with in my job. People still just abuse that every day, specifically on Fridays, you know, when we're off every weekend. But I do just want to say that, um, my favorite two characters of the book were Christian and Jason. Christian was probably the most relatable to me because that's kind of how mm-hmm. I became. Like I started slowly became like the more like carefree like guy, like at my job. But let me just ask you: Was a uh, Christian? Was he a real person, or is he based on a collective group of people? Um, he he's based kind of a specific that I, I worked with. Um, okay. I really, we just like, you know, just talking shit all the time and like, you know, dealing with something that's so heavy, like you got to joke around was nice is like so many people would just joke her way through, like, like making fun of people, whatever it was just to kind of get through. Yeah. He doesn't work there anymore, but yeah, he was a good guy. Definitely. Was he the one who actually told you about the Lindas and Dave's or was that something that you created? Um, I just created that. Okay. That was, um, like my best way to like, you know, explain it to people how, or like give them an archetype, give them an idea of what 
and they're, they're different Linda's and Dave's too. And, you know, um, I have that whole section where I, I explained what a Linda was and I've been, um, dealing with them my whole life, but never really put it down to words until I had to sit in front of them with like a, you know, plexiglass talking to these, these people about their lives and becoming their therapist. These aren't real problems the that you're having. Yeah. The list of the other names too, that you just threw in like that, dude, that actually made me laugh out loud when I got to that part in the book. So I was like, yes, there's even more basic names. Um, yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you about to kind of go into a little bit further, which I thought was spot on, was when you talked about how customers unloaded their groceries onto the belt. If you could oh, yeah. dive into that a little bit. That was fascinating. I I found it to be like a tell for what the kind of person was. Um, when they, like, I, I understand being rushed and like putting you know, not being organized. Cause I don't think I would be super organized, but to just dump it on, I had a handful when you're full of groceries, throw stuff on and pile it on. Like you're clearly there's no care involved in what you're doing. Um, and like, it's, it's really nice when people organize their, their groceries together. Cause then you can bag it together. Um, like the cold stuff with the cold stuff, the bread with bread on tops, things like that. You know, it's, it's being thoughtful about people that, never get any thought. So like, yeah, I always appreciated that when they, they took the time, which isn't much time. It's like, you know, a minute, like the, like we're talking like minutes and seconds here, not, not much time to um, really like put that extra effort and help us out. You know, they're thinking about the employees as opposed to just shoveling it on. Like it's like they're digging a hole and like, you know, dumping dirt on your, your fucking <laughs> conveyor belt. It's an insult. Exactly. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, or or so, something um, that I always hated what they would do. Let me have these heavy packs of Cokes or like the 32 packs of waters. And let me just have the barcode upside down and be like, I need you to scan that. And you got to yeah. walk over there and flip it over for them and try to find the barcode. I always loved the <laughs> customers that would have the barcode facing up. Like to me, that was a, yeah. like a thank you. Like, oh, because I mean, yeah, I, I did the... I did the grocery thing at Walmart. Like that's where I was a grocery cashier for a while. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> like a lot of that. And when you even put the numbers for the, I believe it was an apricot or something, but you put the skew number in for it. I still remember a lot of those. Just off of just having just a repetition, put them in like forty eleven banana. Like I just know that. Like ah. Oh. Like I really felt that about the gro- the customers organizing the groceries, because there is some of them that will, but ooh. double bag that, please. Yeah. Oh yeah, the double bag. Well, like the and the cookie story. Yeah, the cookie story. <laughs> the one I need a bag for that one lone cookie. You see uh, some crazy shit, man. <laughs> yeah, that really happened. That was a real thing that, like, almost verbatim happened like that, and I just. I stared at him like he he could read my eyes that I hated. <laughs> well, him. speaking of the hate thing, you, like, he you, one of the best comments you had around the whole grocery cart and and how they unload and whatnot was handing her her receipt with hate in your heart was was beautiful. <laughs> so many of us have done that, handed a receipt with hate in our heart, wishing their car would explode on the way home. 
um, perfect, perfectly, oh, yeah. perfectly described. I'd, I'd rather people be rude to me, like outright rude, than patronizing. Yes. Like, I found that so often during as a cashier, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, was the, the oh, you you guys are so wonderful. And then, like, two weeks later, they don't even recognize you or talk to yep. you in, in any manner. Just talk to me like I'm a human. Like, like I'm... I'm doing a service. I'm here doing something like that's all I really ask. And yeah, like oh, the patronization was just the hero. Oh yeah. Oh. And, and you know, we were talking about that before we started the stream. I mean, you got these people coming in, Oh, you're a hero for doing this. And while they're telling you that you're a hero, they're also telling you how shitty a job you have. And it's like, it's like yeah. this, this double, <laughs> this double edged sword is like, Oh, you're doing, you know, you're only a hero you know, not, not by choice, you know, you're, you're a hero by necessity, but you know, be, better you yep. than us. And I think the sad part is, yeah, the better you yeah, than us. And I think the sad part is, Definitely. is we're now at a point where they forgot that they, that, you know, they classified everybody as heroes. Now they're just back to, you know, treating people like garbage again, but Hey, wait a minute, you know, six, eight months ago, you you were treating us like gods. Now all of a sudden you're just you know the same old assholes that you were. So uh, just I, I'm glad I wasn't working in that during that. And I feel for anybody that does because you know I know I have a lot of friends that have been in the military, and it's kind of like I've had several of them tell me that they hate when someone says thank you for your service. You know because it's a choice, yeah. and and I, I just. Even though it's two different fields, I've got to feel like hearing that hero thing, you feel the same way, you know. It's not like you're there putting on a cape, you know, because you want to be Superman. You, you don't have another choice. Right. Yeah, like, if you, yeah, uh, like police officers and firemen, firemen won't, like, they don't consider themselves heroes. They're doing the job. And granted, like, being a cashier... Or like working in a grocery store, it wasn't heroic in nature before. And like, we really didn't know much about the virus at first. So it was a lot of like fear um, induced sort of like reactionary sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know, like a better way to handle that situation is not patronize and tell them they're a hero, but like, just be nice and be helpful. Organize your groceries, um, pack, like bag them your, your fucking self, like, like an adult and you know do the little things that was what i really liked like the the story about the um the brain surgeon i was getting ready to ask you about that um, go into that that is excellent that was that's my like looking back that's my favorite part in the book um it also like i did have a I, i'm sure he still shops there i just never see him but he would you know, he has like six kids so that's his normal routine and he was one of the nicest people that i've ever ran across there and he was really just so like such a high level job, but like so empathetic and understanding that like just have a good conversation, like go through the motions of when I ask you about yourself and just like good, just, I don't know, being a good person and not like thinking you're elevated when he had a job that, you know, there's probably like a, just a few thousand people in the world that can do that. Yep. It's, it's incredibly impressive. And the um, thinking back on it, like that was, that was one of my favorite interactions that I constantly have 
on a like a regular basis. It didn't happen for weeks. The exp- Talk the that explanation guy. that he had about life being like a quilt, I thought was extremely profound uh, and amazing. Actually, you know, it's patchwork. You know, and 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 mm-hmm. people, you know, they do all all the different patches and whatnot, but they never finish the quilt. And you know, I read that. I'm like, wow, that's that's spot on because it, it is. And um, you know, I thought that interaction was fantastic. I thought the way you wrote it was excellent. Um, one question though: Is there anything you edited out of the book that you wish you would not have? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, no, not really. I don't think. I think my editor was pretty damn good with it. Um, she she helped me like hone in, you know, like, like stay focused and not, um, like at first she was real concerned about the timeline. Like, you know, this is, this didn't happen on this date, but to me from March to May, even almost all summer, there's, there was no difference in like the time. It's all time just like blurred together. So that's why I kind of, I go from lockdowns to riots riots were for a completely different reason um maybe exacerbated by the by the lockdowns but the um for a different reason and i I wanted to blur it all together and i think she she understood that so that she wanted to make it like edit in like you know much more structured time but to me it it was just this constant like tension for months on end and i couldn't escape it i couldn't leave i couldn't couldn't find a different job or you know, one that would pay me more and make me more comfortable. So I had to live with it and, you know, had to start writing. Um, but I don't think there was anything that I wanted to edit out that I could think of at the moment. Awesome. There's a lot of stuff that I could have added in, but that's okay. Gotcha. Um, our friend Irish Connection asks, uh, why do you think that the hype of retail workers being heroes and essential has not translated into respect and calls for better pay slash working conditions? It was, um, well, like I kind of said earlier, like since it was out of fear, actually out of true empathy for what um, people are going through, like what they do on a daily basis. I I feel like we're in such a fast-paced culture that you don't, um, I guess you don't have time. People don't have time to really give a shit about other people. Um, It's a shame that... And I mean, I hope it like overall starts translating. I hope people don't forget. And that's kind of why I wrote the book or one of the, one of the elements that really, cause I, I just I was like, man, these, I want to, I want to speak for people or not speak for them, but like elevate them through my writing and like they can understand. And I don't know, people are so concerned with their own lives that um, it's so easy to forget. And you know, the news cycles 24 hours, if that. So we were lucky to get, the like four, like six weeks of people giving a shit about us and we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. I mean, I I hope that it improves conditions overall, but it didn't surprise me that it just kind of fell off. Right. I mean, you look at what companies like Best Buy did, you know, they, they bragged about raising wages and whatnot. And then all of a sudden turn around and lay it off like half their entire workforce, um, for the sake of money, basically. And, uh, we got a question here from Michael LeBlanc Brandt. Um, she asked when you're talking about, you know, the tension, do you think it's a different tension now? Yeah. I mean, it feels almost completely normal. 
or like what it was before in a way, but um, I still feel like people are like overly annoyed when they come into work. I, since I work in the back of the house or like I'm a supervisor in our, like it's kind of our kitchen area, um, the fresh pack stuff. So I have a lot less um, customer interactions. Um, and honestly, like all of our customers are still like, they're just the same Linda's and Dave's they've always been and always will be probably sadly. Um, the, it is like, everyone's just fed up though. Everyone is definitely really fed up with wearing like masks and well, we, there's no like line anymore to get in. Um, it's just people just going in and out and we're extremely busy store. So people are almost more annoyed by just the normal volume of things. Like it's a super busy place with like overcrowded um, sells too much. We're about to open our like um, buffet area, which is like, sounds disgusting to me. I like, agree but, with you. 100%. Um, yeah. Like, but I think that, I hope that answered my her question. Yeah, I mean, I question. think that, you know, in looking at how people are acting now, I think it really goes hand in hand with what you just said a second ago about people. They're too busy with their own lives to really give a shit about other people. So all you guys that were mm-hmm. on the front line in this, I mean, no one really knows. I mean, it doesn't matter what anybody says. No one really knows what the end of all this is going to be. And there are so many people, like you said, that are aggravated and just feel like it's an inconvenience to them that, you know, they don't care about anybody else around them. You know, it, it's their only their opinion matters. And we really don't know how safe it really is yet. You know, and you guys that are working right. in like the grocery business and, you know, any kind of customer front facing business, man, you know, regardless if there's a mask mandate or not, you know, you've got to, you know, take accountability for your own safety. And just because maybe you feel safer with a mask, somebody wants to ridicule, ridicule you for it. And, and I think I think that really shows how far we've fallen as a society. Because, like you said, you're talking about the buffet bar. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a terrible idea. <laughs> I mean, I really do. I don't think we're nearly out of the woods yet to be doing that kind of stuff. But because the public perception and the pressure, unfortunately, it still comes down to these corporations. It's about money. And, you know, mm-hmm. now they're looking at ways to, you know, get some of their losses back. Although grocery stores didn't really lose it. I mean, they made out like, you know, bandits during the pandemic because everybody was buying everything they could and you know every, I, yeah. I feel sorry for stores that have to go up against those sales numbers <laughs> next year because it's just not going to happen but you know it's not over yet and so many people are acting like it is and you know it's still got to be terrifying you know I mean you you can't trust people I guess that's the sad part you can't trust people to do the right thing yeah like oh with the like buffet part, you, I mean, before buffets were, were gross. Okay. Like I still would go eat at a buffet like in Vegas right. or something, but people like put their hand in that. Exactly. <laughs> it's not, it's not like nice. And then you just add the COVID factor on there and you're like, uh, no, <laughs> why are we doing this? But, um, yeah. Got another question here. Do you experience customers being more anxious and in a rush to leave even more now because they're now used to isolation and having things delivered to their door. So they hate the mundane things that used to be normal. That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I'd even say like, cause I, I was a, so I was a cashier up till August of last year. 
Yeah, you would see that a little bit here and there, especially with the more elderly folks. Um, we have a lot of like delivery drivers and stuff, but the it, a lot of people are really rushed and they want to get through it as quickly as they could, which doesn't help any customer service experience. Um, but it, like a lot of a lot of times when that would happen, I just, just like zone out. And I kind of talk about it a little bit in the um, in the book, just going through the motions, you know, just. Oh, this is going to be this person. You can figure it out after a little while. I'm just going to shut off from the scenario. Right. Just go through it. Um, I don't really experience that sort of thing. But. Yeah, yeah. The part we talked about where you started just being robotic. You're like, I'm so far into my shift. I don't even really know what's going on. <laughs> like, I'm just yeah. being robotic at this point. Like, that was that was another thing that I really felt. And I did just want to bring up the story with the brain surgeon. Like that, that mm-hmm. really spoke to me personally because right now, you know, I'm about the same age that you described um, in the book. Like I'm about to be 30. I'm about to, I'm 28 right now. And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. still trying to, I'm just kind of spinning my wheels, trying to find where I want to be in life. And like that, that really spoke to me. Brain surgeon said to you like that, that was nice. And I was like, okay, I get it. So, so let me ask you, since you were there, what were your, what were your thoughts when all hell broke loose and you're there and you hadn't been there real long and the floodgates opened? I mean, I I can't imagine how difficult it was to go home every night and unwind from that. Yeah, that's a fair amount of drinking. (laughs) I like, I had good neighbors. Um, you know, like I, I reminded myself on a regular basis that I was experiencing something very unique. Um, I mean, once in a lifetime, sort of, you know, last pan- pandemic was what, 100 years ago, um, the Spanish flu of any like serious magnitude. And um, I mean, always it helped to like, re- you know, remember that like it was a global thing. It wasn't just happening to you, it was happening to everybody. And it wasn't just the Lindas and Daves. Everyone else in you know, different countries all around the world were experiencing the same thing. Um, but I, I leaned really hard into accepting that this is where I am. Maybe I'm, I'm meant to be here. I wrote a book out of the whole thing, which is was amazing. Um, and like I was supposed to, like almost like serendipitous that I was there at that time. Like it a lot of the things in my life I'd kind of built up to like running, like running a website and understanding, like being a writer that it was, a, it was, I just happened to be there. So I, I leaned really hard into that. That's how I got through the moments, the most worn out, the riding home in an empty city on my bike and just people crossing the street. Cause they didn't want to be near someone. Those moments where you felt so isolated. I just, I leaned into like the, this is where I should be. This is where this is good in some ways. I mean, that's scary, but it's good. You're going to do something great out of it. So I would agree with that. I think that was a, obviously there was a path forward for you. You were meant to go through that for a reason. Lots of yeah. crying. One uh, Angie says in our chat. Um, another uh, Dina says, "I will admit, I try to get in and out of a store as quick as I can. I'm not rude to people, but I just want to get." my things and go. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of that. Um, one thing that I think was amazing is you described, you know, the riding the bike, you know, it's kind of like a, a zombie apocalypse mm-hmm. movie. You know, you're, you're riding down streets that are normally just flooded with cars and you can do whatever you want to do. I mean, 
I'll, I'll never forget because, you know, when it broke, I was living in Atlanta. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. – and, and where you're at. I mean, it's a big city. And, you know, you, you, there's no traffic on the road. And you're like, this is really, really weird. And but there was mm-hmm. a, But there was a kind of peacefulness to it. And that mm-hmm. I think some people – I actually enjoyed that, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you. I mean, after being in business for 30 years, I was tired of people anyway. So – but, you know, there was a calming thing about it, yeah. you know. The bicycle story was great. The marry me story. Was that you or is that somebody else? But I had this really long conversation with this pretty amazing woman that, like, you know, the certain aspects of the career event were definitely true to what she told me. Um, just a really impressive and outstandingly beautiful woman that, like, I, I was like, this is this is what I need to kind of pull away from all the anxiety and the troubling things that I was seeing around me, it was like, I get it. I get saved by a few conversations like that. And she was, I think where I placed it in the book was before um, the pandemic. I think it was, I like, I haven't read it in a little bit, but um, that was definitely a real interaction. I wanted to marry her. She had no idea. And she never wrote that letter. Well, you you wrote that. Well, that was, that was a great story. The whole, the whole lipstick on the paper. That was fantastic. Very well done, sir. (laughs) No, I was sitting there. I was like, smooth, brother. Yeah, well, it was. Yeah, that, that, that was dope. Um, another connection. Uh, I mean, question from Irish Connection. What was the most surprising supply issue? Did you run out of anything that you didn't expect to? I think there's your segue. <laughs> um, toilet paper. Toilet paper was a big one. I mean, everyone ran out of toilet paper for, and paper towels, like paper products in general. Now, the store I'm at doesn't have like a lot of paper products. Um, but like, you know, another weird one was yeast and it makes sense to make bread, but like you can, you can make bread if you're going to be on, you know, burning in a bunker or something, but we didn't get yeast back for like six months. Wow. Um, that was like, people would have, like, I think you get like three or something, a pack and it, they'd buy stacks of it. But like our, there was a moment there where everything was bare in the store. Like it was impossible mm-hmm. for a few weeks like the the produce section like which doesn't make any sense bakery doesn't make any sense um prepared foods was empty like all the you know the kombuchas and stuff like that like the, the high-end drinks that we have they're decimated it's like this doesn't make any sense people like you could see like just the hoarding mentality that i don't know that's kind of scary to see first thing is like you know people just grabbing whatever they can just to grab it. Basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it places like Walmart. They probably saw all sorts of crazy stuff, but yeah, no, even when I try to go out and just buy some spaghetti stuff, nothing. Yeah. Rice nothing. was a big one. Um, Angie yes. here in the chat, canning, canning jars. That, that, that would have been a big one too, especially here in the South. We've got a question from Kira. I hope I can ask this question. How did you deal with coworkers who didn't believe that what's going on in the world was really going on you know it was i don't know if i dealt with anyone that like was like i don't know like denying it or something we all kind of had to face it head on so you had to accept your reality pretty quick that was one big lesson is just like like living in the moment and accepting things and don't don't get too involved because otherwise if you get too much in your head and you're sitting there in your mask but like behind a fence basically the whole time it would drive you nuts so the i don't, I don't think it really had a lot of people that like were like 
denying that this was going on. There was a lot of a lot of melting down, a lot of very overwhelmed folks. Um, I think managed to focus pretty 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 well on like the like this is where I need to be, um, and I reassured people that. But uh, that's the only way I like. I never I never called out. I never did the uh, mental health thing because I just I don't know. I saw something bigger in it. And I needed to be there and present in the moment. Um, so yeah, I didn't. I didn't have anyone that was a COVID denier or, or like not believing what was going on. I guess one of the most and more impressive parts in the books to me, because when I first started working like retail and stuff, like now, like now, I will just like call out because I'm like, eh, eh. but <laughs> um, but when I was in retail or whatnot, like when you talked about. Hey, you want to come in and work some extra hours tomorrow? Like in the book, you had just worked what was implied to be an open to close. And then you, the legendary taint, went in and did it again the next day on your day off. Was that was that a real thing or was that just part of the story? Because that was impressive well, to me. I um I, I went in quite a bit. Like the so since like it became unlimited overtime for a while. Mm-hmm. And there was also the the mental health thing. So like a lot of people calling out. Yeah. Um, I really don't have the luxury to call out. That was the main reason I didn't because I got to pay rent. Yeah, the, um, yeah. But the, yeah, I would, I'd work overtime a lot. A lot of people work doubles like, cause they could, they, you could double your paycheck pretty quick. And when you're yeah, pretty easy. making a low wage, like it was a lot of ways. So yeah, I, I definitely got called in a lot on hangovers, like in the yeah. book. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I love the I love the on the patio stories with Jason and the neighbors. Hey, y'all would just be listening to yeah. people just screaming in the background. Those stories were and, great. I enjoyed those and the howling. It's a oh yeah yeah. Did, did you guys like Atlanta or no. anything? Well, I don't live people like would howl in for essential workers. No, but I yeah, did hear about in, that. Where we were staying, it, I mean, was pretty rural and pretty country. And if if people were out there howling, there'd probably okay. be some guns drawn because <laughs> they thought they were really going to shoot, yeah. shoot something, <laughs> um, you know. But uh, yeah. you know, one thing, you know, Alex bringing up, you know, hearing the conversations and stuff. And, you know, we were we touched on this a little bit, you know, before we started stream was the comment you made. If you can kind of go into it about basically people realizing that they were kind of pretending that life was good until they had to spend time with their families and stuff. So if you could kind of go into that a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, it was, um, I go through that one of those, like, like one of the stories that Daniel or one of the scenario experiences Daniel runs into is a couple that I don't know, seems joyful at first and the couple in the book is kind of like they're, they're assholes too but like they're in a good mood and then they they turn into like like they come back later and they're just they're not the same like something's very wrong like they were decimated and um i could kind of see that you could the tension was so it was really intense with a lot of couples going through the line and um i remember one night there was a couple that came through the line and they just didn't they looked like they were arguing like they've been arguing before they came in and i started joking around with them trying to light lighten the mood a little bit and the the woman like commented she's like well i, I guess this is date night 
like that that hit me like a like a, like a, a wave or, or something like I just I was like yeah it really was it was you know it you couldn't do anything the only thing you could go to was go to the grocery store that was your your only outlet so all those moments like that you ignored before with your like I don't know something that bugged you your spouse um you couldn't you can just go to the bar or like go to a friend like go other places and you can go out to eat to like kind of like lighten the mood and get other people around you it was just you and that moment with that person and a lot of people don't like we were talking about earlier with we live in such a fast society people don't think about like think things through that they they they're prioritizing the wrong things with their, when they get married or something like that. And then now it just stuck at home. You, it rears its head. You have to look at square in the eye, like the things that you didn't like before that you only saw them two hours a day. So it, um, I like it either strengthened you or it, it, it flattened you. And I, I have a few friends that are getting divorced and I have, I have friends that made it through, which is great. You know, they had kids now, now that everyone was, making baby and now they're having them so like, that's another thing it's like you know something so um like massive and important um change your life either for the good or for negative i guess i do just gotta say just real quick your your inner monologues like after hearing what a customer would have to say oh yeah great you're totally going to be one with the kid. <laughs> You're going to have the kid on Thanksgiving and that's going to be the kid over at the dad's Christmas. That, yep, that, that was dude. You're the monologue on or so true. But um, we got another question. Do you think if the pandemic hadn't happened, would you still have written a book or was the pandemic the catalyst to writing the book? Um, I would have written the book. I was already at draft stage on a different one. That's like might fit in actually down the line on this. Cause I, I feel like a, a sequel is necessary. And then there's yes. also like a different story that goes for Daniel. Have it figured out because I don't know what I'm going to do with that old novel, but I would have, I would have written it. Um, like it, it just, it one like a few things happened. You know, I had to stay home a lot. Yeah. And I'm a pretty outgoing person. So it forced my hand with that. And it also forced me emotionally since I had to deal with, all the things I was seeing and like grappling with the world and, and you're talking about like looking on Twitter, which I talk about on the book and like all the, all the different scenarios, like, Oh, your pets can give it to you. Like people wearing masks during sex, stuff like that. Like the, the weird <laughs> stuff that came out like, just makes you paranoid. And I've seen them make um, it out before with their mask on. <laughs> wait, with the mask covering their mouth or like as a chin. Yeah. No, own, the own them. And they're just, just eating each wow, other. That's <laughs> weird. Like, oh my God. <laughs> What? I was That's like, so strange. But you kind of can't stop staring at it, right? So it's oh, like, oh, oh my god. Um, so uh, I would, I probably film that. Honestly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's like you had you, uh, you had the story about the couple that decided to you know make out at the register. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, there were people that just lost their mind during this stuff. I mean, it's like. They used it as an excuse to get as crazy as they possibly could, and that's that's kind of scary in itself. <laughs> I do have a question, though, about the character of Daniel. Like, I've actually got a couple. And if you don't want to answer sure. this and you want to save it for the sequel, I'm going to read your book for the sequel regardless. Same. 
I'm really into it. Uh, for question number one, did the manager ever speak to Daniel about putting the boot on the customer's face? Was that was that a fever dream? Did that really happen? Or because I was just a little confused with that part of the book. That was imaginary. Okay. Um, yeah, because I kind of that's what I like thought. The, yeah. At that and point, I, he I was just to, so checked out that he's just imagining himself doing that kind of stuff. Yes, yeah, okay. exactly. And like the, I wanted the the narrative to like really kind of, um, not fizzle out, but like just become foggy and very like more attention ridden. At least that's what I was trying to do. And uh, like the Im- imagining scenes in a way, like the the one with the two. Linda's arguing and um, yeah. another one, you know, social distance, social distance. The like, I mean, that that doesn't it doesn't seem real, and I don't think it should seem real. But it was like just how overwhelming everything became, and it became very insular, and you feel trapped, and like everyone's against you, and then all of a sudden they're you know they're buddy buddy, like the contradiction in their yeah. their actions and the way they speak. So yeah, that was. And- yeah, because another thing that I uh, I'm sorry I don't mean to keep interrupting you, man. I got like ADHD <laughs> real bad, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but as I was reading the book, you know, in the end of it, like the book like kind of ends on a cliffhanger. I feel because he's like, mm-hmm. I could have COVID, and then I was like, Well, does he have COVID? And then like I was scrolling <laughs> to the next oh. page, and I was like, No. No, <laughs> keep keep them wanting more. Good job. Yeah, because I was like, yeah. I was like, because if he was building it to where he caught COVID around like day four and was slowly getting the symptoms of like having like the foggy memories and shiz, because that's a real thing. Um, I was like, I was like, okay, does he have it? And did a lot of this really happen? Because I was like, this is interesting. Right. Like I like this. Um, but. Can you answer? Did he get COVID? Um, can I have to read the sequel? That, that, that might be, or no, I can't. Ah. I can't answer it. I, that's something that I probably asking a second book. Um, I'd say m- most likely not, not in that moment at least. Um, because it's what I don't know if you've ever read um, Kafka. If you haven't, you should. Uh, like Metamorphosis or the Trial. Um, it's, it's what I was trying to do is build it like how it feels like the, the feeling you get from the writing and a cliffhanger in a way kind of felt like the right way to finish it because it, um, there wasn't there. I mean, we're still in, we're a year and some months later from when that book would have ended and it's nothing's really changed in some ways. Like the arguments are, are slightly different. Um, but like the, I wanted it to like seem like, well, how does this end? It keeps going on and keep the the reader thinking. Yeah, no, you did, you did a end, really you know, good job. You did a really good job of that ending because oh, I was in my brain all night just trying to piece it together. Because I'm an overanalyzer like you, like <laughs> I overthink everything. So I was sitting there, I was like, okay, did Daniel get COVID? And he got fired. Did Daniel actually get fired by the manager for arguing <laughs> with the two Lindas? Did he? Is he just dreaming about stomping the customer's face? Did he really stomp the customer's face? Because also, and I just want to throw out, you know, a mic. Um, 
I took Mike as like the cool manager, like Steve here above me. Okay. Like Mike kind of reminded me a lot of Steve. So. Yeah. But I, I like honestly like all the managers. I think for the most part, are were great people. Like the supervisors were really cool people. Oh yeah. Actually, no. the guy that's that's big. Just bought seems, my book. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh my god, so. yes. It seems like you was very yeah. blessed with a good management team, at least, because, oh boy. Yeah, some were not <laughs> so lucky. <laughs> While you were living this experience in, in your area of the country, did you have to hear mm-hmm. or deal with several older people going through the whole, well, I'm old, if it's my time to die, it's my time to die mess? Um, Not that I know. No, no, nothing I can think of. Like old people, there was like this, like they had the, um, hours for the older people that were like, you know, they, they get an extra hour right. early so they could come in. Um, that was about the only interaction. And, and I was like, I mean, they were pretty happy about it for the most part. The ones that I interacted with, nothing stands out to me. Um, got another uh, question here but, uh, real quick. Uh, sure random but do you like the field of retail in general and did that affect how you felt through all of this um i like people i i find them fascinating um i like like they're the, the most the complex problem you could ever imagine interacting with them it can be really like a joy and i usually don't let them get now that i'm older when i was younger it was like a lot worse but or like i wasn't as good at you know dealing with people but um I, I do enjoy that element of it. Like the random conversations you'd have. Um, like the, the one, like, like the just really like nice conversation with, that I had with that lady where I was like, Oh my God, I'd marry you. Yeah. You know, and, um, like I, the, like I don't like working weekends and all that, like late nights and stuff. The, um, uh, that element at all. Like I want to work life balance and it, Kind of takes you takes that from you uh, pretty easy quickly <laughs> at, at a breakneck mm-hmm. pace. So. Oh yeah. It's, and did any of that affect how you felt through all this? Like, did your love for humanity and finding them interesting did the pandemic affect that in any way? Did it, it did it make it worse? Like, did you like even more fascinated by it? like wonder how people will react now? yeah okay um like it it would um it allowed a different element and that that's one way that i could like you know escape from like just the kind of intense situation was the interactions between each person um it like it it helped me like hone in on it more and like be i guess more aware of like what the dialogue was and like, Oh, is this person going to react to joking around or do they, they're like super intense. Do they have their mask below their nose yeah. or do they not give a shit? Like all these different things, all the interesting parts of like that humans are so different. It, it exacerbated them or like, it's not the word, but um, accentuated them. They made them like brought yeah. them to the surface. So you, you found out who people were a lot faster, I think. So yeah, it definitely, it was good. It was good for that element. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I almost used the word exacerbate earlier, but I was like, hey, we're talking to an author. I want to sound somewhat competent. <laughs> but now I feel a little bit better about that. 
because your book was very well written. Liked it. Oh, thank you. Um, Russell, people who are on that, I've lived my life, so F it. And those are the people you'll learn about the most first. Yes. Yes. Like, definitely. Anytime you want to come on the show, yeah. man. <laughs> like, you definitely, you definitely seem to get retail just in general. Like, Ugh. I think the, the the beautiful thing about your book is, you know, kind of something we've touched on off and on through doing these episodes is the one thing the pandemic did was it really, really put a magnifying glass on overall how poor the human condition is in this country right now. Uh, I, I think the pandemic, yeah. you know, definitely magnified, you know, disparities and, you know, the people that work on the front lines and whatnot and what they have to deal with and, and the people who really had it made and work for companies where, you know, they were relatively safe and, you know, talking earlier about, you know, the mental health time and whatnot. I know for me personally, I was really hoping that what would really come out of this is, you know, grocery store employees, retail employees that, you know, they take a really good hard look at attendance policies going forward and, you know, giving people proper time off, you know, it used to be, you know, if you were sick, you went to work, you know, it just didn't matter. you know, you, you get a manager mm -hmm. on the phone, oh, I'm running a fever or I feel bad. Oh, you well, get your ass to work, you know, kind of thing. And you got guilted yeah. into working ill. And, you know, my hope was that, that would change. And in some companies it has, but most sadly it has not. And, and then you, on the flip side of it, you've got people that are working sick that shouldn't be because of that pressure. Mm -hmm. And, and they're, and, and they can't afford to lose True. the hours or whatnot. And it's kind of like you were talking about, you know, working the double shifts and whatnot, you know, you weren't in a position really to say, no, you needed the money, you know, it, that's how you paid your rent. And, I was hopeful mm -hmm. that going forward, it, it wouldn't be as punitive. But now as things are starting to kind of calm down a little bit, we see that, you know, old ways are starting to come back. It definitely exacerbated like the, there's a good time to use exacerbated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like the, the fragmentation in our, in our society, like we're really not connected to each other in so many ways. And I, social media and things like that do, do that harm really like it makes it yes. worse it, it allows you to be disconnected um in a very unhealthy way where you, you don't even you're anonymous the whole time and um yeah I, I was disappointed too i kind of i hope better for us i want good things for us i think humans are fascinating and i we're incredibly resilient i i looked at like some of my coworkers there you know they just they they made it through like just the grueling days over and over again and like thankless, but not, you know, or they got thanked, but not in like a real meaningful way. And, um, there's a pizza party. Yeah. It was a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Who doesn't want a good pizza party? All right. We got a couple, we got a couple more questions <laughs> yeah. here. Um, so, uh, before sure. we wrap this up, Okay, there we go. Why have you got it yet, yeah. Steve? Or? From a retail perspective, was there anything about your experience during the pandemic that would not have happened but for the pandemic? Did you see people helping out their neighbors more, et cetera? Actually, I felt like people helped out each other less in the pandemic. Like at the beginning, everyone was just kind of like, I don't know, pretty fearful. And like, yeah. I mean, I talk about it a little bit where like you're avoiding others, like you like purposely walk around. Dog other people dog in a grocery boy. store. 
it was an every man for yeah, itself kind of mentality at that point. The timeline of the book, yeah, it was like all, um, and then the, the like the hero thing was definitely a unique experience to have yourself called a hero unexpectedly. Like it just came out of the blue. I feel like maybe like the dedication to like seeing this through for me wouldn't have happened because I was I was just kind of like I was already at a draft stage with a different novel, so I figured like you know I'd do this for a few months. Then I go get another job that paid much better and like gave me the, the work-life balance I want. I found myself um, engrossed in it and like emotionally anchored to my coworkers and to my to the the plight I was going through, the things I was going through, and moving up in the company and like really trying my best to do well at what I was doing. Those I don't I don't think that would have happened in the same way, and I, I'm better for it. I think I'm better person getting going through all that than I was. Well, that's, that kind of leads into the, the last question I've got for you. Um, did you find having that interaction with people at work make you feel less or more lonely during isolation? I'm, I'm grateful that I had to go into work. I'm like to have people to lean on like other people that are going through the same thing. And that's part of the reason why like, you know, the sharing the blog and like people were just, it became a magnet, like a thing like Facebook, the Facebook group where uh, page grew exponentially and people were sharing stories with me and I felt like, Oh, I'm not alone. I'm really not alone. And I hope they feel the same way. Like, and like when people read it, that they, they know that they weren't alone either. And the people that didn't experience it or go through it also connect with like maybe their local essential workers, grocery store people, like servers, people that they normally forget um, to understand them, treat them a little bit better, be, be good to each other. You know, like life, life is way too short or it's way too long and you should just be nice to each other because it's exhaustingly long. So absolutely. Very yeah. well put. So Adam, I hope you, I hope you enjoyed your time with us. I, I, I think this is awesome. We'll have you on anytime you like, uh, you know, it's a great conversation. I love it. Come oh, back absolutely, sure. and and you yes. know, if you got topics in the future you'd like to to chime in on or whatnot, just shoot me a message, man. We'll we'll make it happen. Wait, I, I don't have anything better to do, so we're we're, we're all good. But um, uh, <laughs> Alex, you got anything you want to add, real quick? Oh uh, yeah, no, it was great to have you on the show. Um, but just know if you come back on the show and I get more and more comfortable, the filter slowly starts getting removed. You're going to hear me say a lot more wild stuff. Yeah, Alex get get wound up on like G Fuel and start talking some weird shit. Oh, I drank an entire G Fuel. I drank an entire one in. It was like very difficult. And yes, uh, we, we do have, a uh, as posted in the chat, we do have a very interactive chat. And, and, and I'm thankful for the people that we have watching. And, and a lot of them, you know, I've worked with. They've been in the business a long time. Um, you know, one of the reasons we do yeah. what we do is because I, I was looking for an outlet, you know, to be able to kind of, you know, defend employees, man. And, and you know, the treatment that they get, especially mm-hmm. during the pandemic. And, you know, I haven't done any kind of episode on the pandemic or whatnot. And I'm glad I waited because I think, you know, this was the perfect one to kind of venture into that. So I thank you so much for writing the book. Um, and I'm definitely looking forward to a sequel. Hopefully, maybe they make it into a movie. That'd be great. Well, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um, it, it, it means a lot to me. It's been a lot of fun, like just chatting it up and talking yeah. about the book. And I'd love to come back on because I don't know, I, like brain pickings. It's fun to like chat it up with people yeah, and that know the same same space. You know, exactly. So, 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. Thank you for having me well, on. I, I, I got to say, once again, thank you for writing the book because I stand by everything I've said. You know, you, you, mm-hmm. there are faces and voices you can put to everything that you've got in that book that we've all experienced in our life. And it's, and it's like, it's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like literary 3D or virtual reality. I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's like you're, yeah, it, it's like you, you immediately have this person you've had in your past that, that oh my God, that's Miss So and so. You know, and yeah, you just have them in yeah. HD, yeah. like just in and, your face. Because um, I was like freaked out while I was reading. Because I was like, did this dude like somehow watch some of my customer experiences and yeah. just write and, it? And down? that's why I feel like this is a very important book. I mean, because I think, you know, like I said, you know, being a musician, you, a million people will love it. You've got to find those million people. But I'm telling you, man, you wrote something special. Uh, for people that work in the business, nobody else has done and anything like it. I just got to say this real quick: your story about the guy with the sandwich that oh, walked yeah. up and was like, "Yeah, make me a sandwich." But when oh. you got the manager, or when Daniel got the manager, I'm sorry, I keep on saying you, but when Daniel got the manager, and he comes up, and he's like, "Oh no, 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 no! I was just talking about this," and he's like, "Sandwich, bitch!" Like when he walked off, like, yeah. dude, I've had that happen to me almost exact. I was like freaked out by that because I because I was disappointed with that customer. I was like, "You're gonna go ape shit on me, but then just go nice to my manager right. and make me look like an idiot." Like, yep, it happens. <laughs> that that right there, God, <laughs> I felt that. All right. Oh yeah. Well, that is ultimate awesome. Norman. Fantastic. And and I I don't know if you're able to see, I don't know if you're actually watching the stream, Adam, or not, but underneath your picture or whatnot in your feed, I've got your Instagram, um, your Facebook, and the life on the grocery line.com address. Um it's uh awesome. and you know, if we can get enough people collectively to, you know, grab your book, you know, then we can have one night where you know, Alex and I just kind of shut up and let the chat just talk to you about it. You know, and, and I hope we get to that point. Yeah, that'd be because awesome. I think that I, I honestly believe that this book should be in every damn grocery store across the country. Period. <laughs> I mean, and even if it has to get smuggled in, wow. you know, and hid, if, you know, <laughs> instead of going and crying in the freezer, hardback form, you know, it's a when I see it in hardback form, I'm yeah, buying it. So. <laughs> But but thank you so much for being on, man. This is great. Um, you know, I, I hope to see you on TV soon. I hope I hope to see this thing spread. I think if you get it in front of the right people, you you're going to institute some really really good change for a whole bunch of people. So thank you for being here. Well, awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, guys. So I don't know what we're doing next Wednesday night. I'll let you know. I don't know what Monday night's going to do. Everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. we know all, all his be. social media is right there. I've got a link to Amazon for you to go purchase the book. Go buy the damn thing. It's worth it. It's actually, it's really and truly, you can almost consider a historical document for what all of us have been through. <laughs> so go do it. There he is. Uh, life on the grocery line. Good deal. All right, everybody. Um, everybody have a great night, and we will see you next time. Thanks. <laughs>